Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good evening and welcome to The Men, Men About It, it. on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Isette. And I'm Chris Kuzmi. And we're your co-hosts through this weekly journey of all things fermented. Archived on Stitcher, iTunes, and right here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. This is our 94th episode, and I'm very excited about that. Woohoo! We're in the middle of Cider Week, uh, and uh, this... I'm about to make an announcement that does not have anything to do with cider, but uh, our friend Charlie Papazian, the godfather uh, of homebrewing and the Brewers Association, the author of The Complete Joy of Homebrewing, and uh, The Homebrewer's Companion, both of which are celebrating uh, their their recent additions. He's visiting New York City, and he will be at 508 Gastro Brewery tomorrow night from 6.30 p.m. on till roughly about 8.39, um, and we're just going to hang out and drink some beer. And the following day, he will be at Bitter and Esther's for a homebrew brew swap starting at 7 p.m. The, the homebrew swap starts at 6 p.m., but he will be arriving at 7 and uh, and tasting everybody's beers. And, and uh, man, it's, it's Charlie fucking Bethpazian, man. I'm very excited about this. All right. I'm going to give a shout out to a Kickstarter project that Chris and I recently backed. Yes. It is called the Fermentium Home Pickling Kit by Nicholas Stevens. And he has created a very cool container crock kind of thing called the fermentium and it's to make pickle sauerkraut kimchi and all kinds of other fermented foods so i would urge that you check it out we will tweet it in a second when i get a chance on our break um but it's called the fermentium home pickling kit we backed it i cannot wait for this project to complete and for chris and i to get our very own fermentium and uh Pickled stuff goes great with cider, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. What doesn't go right with cider? So Chris and I have been celebrating Cider Week, New York City Cider Week, since Friday. We've had a really good time. We attended um, Cider Feast at the South Street Seaport on Saturday. We've hung out with some cider makers, drank some great cider. Then pressed some apples the following day at Bitter oh, and right. Esther's. Well, we didn't awesome. press our own apples. but We got uh, to watch. We have to watch. And hang out. Um, So we are in the middle of New York City Cider Week. If you are in New York City and you're interested in celebrating, please go to CiderWeekNYC.com. They have a huge list of events. I mean, it's pretty, it's almost ridiculous. It's getting better and better every year. There's more people, more awareness. And cider is a really, really, uh, it's a fastly growing market, sector of the market. And it's freaking delicious. It is. It's worth getting into. Diversity is the spice of life. But today, uh, in honor of Cider Week, we have our friend Devin calling from Bad Seed Cider, Hard Cider. Devin, are you there? Uh, yeah, guys. How you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, good. We've met you several times. We love your cider. Uh, tell us a bit about Bad Seed Hard Cider. Uh, something kind of unique and interesting about us is that we are... Uh, one of the few cider companies out there that we actually grow all our own apples, uh, press all our own cider. We're actually a sixth-generation apple farm, and uh, the seventh, uh, Albert 
son is uh, about three feet tall and uh, just uh, already thinks he's the boss. <laughs> <laughs> so you are you are partnered with Albert, uh, the last the Wil- Wilklow, right? Yep. And Wilklow Farms have been, has been going on for six generations, which you just said. How big is the farm? Uh, the farm itself is, uh, oh, God, we have uh, the home farm where we do pick-your-own and stuff. has a good, like, 60 acres of apples. The farm where the cidery is actually located um, is about 20 acres of apples, and uh, as well as, like, peaches, plums, uh, grapes, like a little bit of everything there, but uh, generally quite a bit of orchard right around us on the cidery. How much cider do you produce? Uh, this year we're looking to probably probably end this year around like twenty thousand gallons. That is awesome. So tell me, you have a really interesting um, history of how you got started. So tell me how you got started. Like, how did you guys meet, and what happened? Uh, me and Albert actually uh, grew up together in the same small town. Uh, you know, one hundred and forty kids in our graduating class, so there's pretty much no avoiding anyone. Uh, but we were always friends growing up, and uh, after high school, uh, ended up renting an apartment together where, you know, kind of as two 20-year-old guys will do, um, with the inability to purchase alcohol, you learn really fast how to make alcohol. <laughs> um, so we started uh, kind of, I, I was always interested in home brewing, um, and Albert just started bringing home cider because, you know, we, we had... One thing we had, we had plenty of from the farm, so we just started fermenting different ciders, and the first couple ones were uh, pretty awful, and you had to shove them down friends' throats. But uh, <laughs> as your trial and error goes and you get better at it, you kind of, all of a sudden, we started to make cider that people were asking us for instead of uh, us having to find a home for it. When uh, some of your first batches, were you inoculating it with, with yeast, or were you letting it just ride with the fresh fresh juice from the farm? Uh, we had always kind of, we'd always been interested in different yeast strains and and experimenting with that. I mean, right off the bat, we were because um, I I had home brewed for a while, so I was ah. uh, actually had some beer yeasts that were in the fridge, and and some of our first batches were messing around with different beer yeasts that we had that to ferment it, and like that's kind of where we stumbled upon. Uh, the notion that, that cider can change drastically just by the yeast strain that you're using, and like it'll completely change the flavor profile right down to the to the finished color of it. Awesome. <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're, we're providing for questions for you. Um, as far as like between between us, your first ferment then was not a cider. Your first ferment was was a beer. You started with beer. Yeah, yeah. We I actually um, like I, I was always interested in, in my actually my first hit was something I had uh, purchased off of online and and just like got a, one of those little extract kits and and that was my first intro into like fermenting something at home and then uh, did quite a few beers before uh, Albert moved me and Albert got an apartment together and then it just kind of uh, he was a, a celiac oh. or has celiacs so the, my fermenting beer didn't help him much. So <laughs> yeah. he started bringing home gallons of cider kind of as a notion of like, you know, hey, why don't you ferment this? And <laughs> then, then, uh, then I can have it too. 
Awesome. I was going to ask, what what was the the tipping point from you guys making cider at at home to to actually kind of coming up with the idea for bad seed? Uh, kind of, it, it was one of those like crazy ideas that uh, I was we were doing farmers markets in uh, Fort Greene in Brooklyn, and we were had been driving you know, you know you're driving back and forth every Saturday together, and you kind of brought down a couple bottles a few times for just good customers to to try, just like, you know, kind of like, hey, try, try this stuff that we were making in our apartment. And uh, over the course of, like, a couple of months, we'd given a, quite a few bottles out, and we, we'd always gotten kind of that same response. Like, you know, people were like, we were, we were making, like, dry cider, which was completely, like, new and not out there on the market at that point. Like, there was... There, everything out there was like sweet mass-produced cider, yeah. and we were giving some bottles out, and everyone's response was like, "Was like, you guys should really make this. Like, it, it should be. You guys should. Have you guys thought about making this?" And at first, we kind of like, you know, blew it off, like, you know, like, "Oh, that's that's lots of legal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a little too intense for us." <laughs> but then, then uh, you kind of start. Just talking on the ride home, and then all of a sudden one night I got home, and at like eleven o'clock at night my phone rings, and 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 Albert, in all seriousness, is like he's like, so I ask you a question, and like seriously, like what do you think about starting a cider company? And <laughs> all it took was like us both, like you know, acknowledging that, like you know, hey, like we could do this. It, it could be, you know, something that that would work in theory and so we kind of you know hit the ground running and ran out and first thing we did was uh get an attorney to do all the paperwork side because we were like yeah that's a little too much (laughs) (laughs) all it took was us looking at the the ttp's website and we were like yep uh gotta be a person who'll do this and just charge us (laughs) yeah yeah your beers i mean sorry your ciders are, are very very dry and very clean um, my first ferment was a cider, but it was not exactly. I was in a dorm in high school, and we we took a. I've told this story a couple of different times here, but but it, I think it's interesting. You came straight from beer, but I came from cider. But the cider I made, I got a jar of apple juice from the farmers market. We spit in it and threw it in the closet for a month, and then and then had something that was fermented and vaguely resembled cider, but had the alcohol. <laughs> um, uh, but so, but your first ciders that you were making. So you were coming from a beer background. How important do you think sanitization and uh, with of your equipment and? Oh, it's it, like it's something that, um, I, I constantly like stress to people. I'm like, there's there's kind of that like um, I, I saw a great cartoon once in a brewery, and it still sticks with me to this day. It was uh, you know this this picture of you know what the and it said like you know what the world thinks of me. And it shows this guy, like, you know, holding up a, a wine glass and, like, you know, like, peering through it and sniffing it. And he's like, what my family thinks of me. And it showed him with, like, beakers and, like, lab equipment and stuff. And then it said, like, the reality of the situation. And it showed him with, like, a whole bunch of cleaning gear just, like, scrubbing a tank. Yep. And I'm like, I'm like, that is exactly, it, it's it just... It, it hit home to me right then. I'm like, I'm like, yep, that's like 95 percent of what I do on a daily basis around the cidery is 
is sanitation and cleaning protocols. It's um, that's the big difference between a site here that's going to have like a great clean, crisp finish and one that you're going to get all those like red tones and like uh, funky character too is just sanitation. Right, 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 right. And uh, we are currently drinking the Belgian Abbey hard cider that you make. Yep, that I bought at the Union Square Green Market from you. How oh. often do you at the Union Green Smart? How often do you at the market? Uh, we're there every uh, Wednesday now um, from like 8 to 5. And then I also saw your booth at the South Street Seaport Green Market on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Was, that um, a, was that a one-off? Um, well, we're right now our, our current markets are on Saturday we're in Fort Green Park in Brooklyn and in Grand Army Plaza in Brooklyn. Um, and we just opened a tap room three weeks ago. So some of those Saturday <laughs> markets that I had before, uh, I got from so that way I could operate a tap room, which was kind of a great new adventure. Turning uh, two farm boys into bartenders and bar owners is uh, <laughs> a little bit of a comic experience, but we're, we're trying to get used to it, and then hopefully we'll be back down to, to keep some of those markets going on Saturdays once we once we have a grip on our on our bar end of it. Yep, that's pretty awesome. What? How many different varieties do you serve from your tap room? Uh, <clears throat> right now, we actually we serve uh, four of our ciders on tap, um, at, but we have seven taps all together. Uh, I, I kind of we also feature three other local cideries because I, I always feel like it's like craft beer. Like people, we make like great cider, but there's also a lot of other great cider out there, and it gives people a chance when they when they come up to see us. Um, to not only try ours, but to like try some of the other local cideries um, and and see what what else is out there along with us because we're kind we're not just trying to make them like a bad seed cider drinker. Like right. I think it's 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 more realistic to try to get someone to really appreciate cider and make them a cider drinker, and then occasionally they'll drink like some bad seeds. So that's right. Rising tide floats all boats. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, so you guys just opened the tap room. You've had your space for a while. Tell us about what, how big uh, batches are you guys creating at this time? Uh, right now, everything is done in 1,000-gallon uh, batches. Um, quite a few of our, our ciders, though, are still done in, like, 300-gallon um, batches. It really depends on on the particular, like, our like our mainline ciders, like our dry, our abbey, and our bourbon barrel cider, they're always like the larger format, like 1,000-gallon, which is like still very tiny compared to you know, compared to like any like big company, but uh, it feels huge for us uh, compared to a 300-gallon tank, which we'll do like some of our oddball ones for like the, the tap room and stuff uh, in a smaller format. That we're, we uh, we have to take a really quick break, uh, Devin. We will be right back with you here on Ferment About It, Devin Britton of Bad Seed.
Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast Regional Forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets, and you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome back to Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We're hanging out with Devin Britton from uh, Bad Seed Cider Company. Cider Company. Bad Seed Hard Cider. Devin. We were just talking about your your uh, the new tap room that you're dealing with, and that you have a farm brewery license, farm cider license, farm cider license. So I want to talk a little bit about. I'd love to for you to t- talk about how your tasting room is possible and what you guys are trying to achieve with it. Uh, well, our tasting room, like that kind of, um, we started back got over over a year ago. They started proposing legislation. Um, that was going to allow there to be a much like a farm brewery license, um, like the cidery category was lacking a farm cidery license uh, that would allow. So under our previous license, we were a wholesale um, producer and retailer, which only allowed us the ability to wholesale our cider or to sell it uh, direct to customers at farmers markets. And uh, where, oops, sorry, Chris. I'm- Say and, and that's only of your own product, right? Yeah, that was that was only our own. And then this this license change that happened uh, this past January, the governor passed the bill that allowed it to create a farm cidery license, uh, which completely uh, changed the way we could look at the business. So all of a sudden, then we could have stores and tastings and do a tap room where we could serve other people's cider um, and. It, it kind of, as soon as they passed that license, we kind of were quick on the idea of, you know, this is a golden opportunity to, to really go at this like you would a brewery tap room and create a space within our building that has that kind of beer hall feel that's a fun place for people to go hang out um, and, you know, try our ciders in a fun atmosphere and really get to, like, Experience the cidery and kind of get some of our culture um, in, in one place. And since we've opened a couple weekends ago, uh, the response has been overwhelmingly great. Like we keep uh, Saturdays and Sundays keep being, you know, a, a really busy day for us, and it's a great chance to, you know, invite people in and, and pull back the curtain and show them around and show them like how everything is done and kind of, you know, prove to them that. Uh, it really is like a farm operation. It's, it's even though like even though we're pretty broadly distributed within our area, like it still is really a craft cider. And you opened the tap room kind of around the same on, on your busiest time of the year. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of our, our goal <laughs> when we um, when, you, when we uh, most of our our contractors when we when we approached this project were kind of looked at us and when we were finished we we heard quite a few times that 
that they admitted to us they thought we were completely nuts because <laughs> uh, July 4th, we started this project by the time everything, plans were drawn, everything was organized, and the finished date was October 4th. So oh. within three months, we were going to tear our building absolutely apart. Um, parts of it, you know, literally were demolished to the ground and then rebuilt and somehow we got a lot more gray hair but we pulled it off (laughs) (laughs) congratulations and and you're in the middle of harvesting or you've already harvested this year uh we're just finishing up like picking apples um will really be like our pick your own operation uh this was last weekend for us so this week is kind of the week where everything gets cleaned off the trees and uh like we'll tonight, uh, Albert's stacking apples in our in one of our coolers, and then they'll uh, they'll close that cooler up for a few months, um, and it should be should have most of our apples picked within like the next couple days. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I'd like to ask we are, we discussed a little bit about how you came from home brewing, and you use a lot of not only beer yeast, but you have a hop cider. So you've taken what you've learned as a home brewer and applied it to cider making. So I would just love for you to share a little bit of your insight in how you go about designing recipes, kind of adapting these beer ingredients, beer yeast or hops, um, in your ciders, and what kind of projects you have going for the future. Uh, yeah, definitely. We're, we're, we're kind of, I think we will never lose that um and at least I, I hope we never lose that like adventurous like you know we want to try um, all crazy different ways of making cider um, and some of that is you know I think there's kind of there's the people out there who are like are like you know look at us like we're messing with tradition and like why would you like why, why would you put hops in a cider and I'm like well I'm like just because someone made it that way for 2,000 years doesn't mean we need to keep making it that way. We could, like, there's there's room to, to tinker there and have fun. Like, it, it's... Yeah. I, mean, I always look at our homebrewing recipes kind of as, like, a guideline. So, like, some of them, um, like our like our hop cider, we use an American ale yeast to ferment it. Um, and then we use Cascade hops to, to hop it. And it really, like, gets that, like, you know, hoppy grapefruit tone, um, and that one, like, you know, as a, you know, <laughs> as starting off as a home brewer, like, I, I'm still drawn to those, like, those beer recipes and, and just trying to put cider twists on them. Yeah. I agree. And I got to say, I am a huge fan of hop ciders. That's probably one of my favorite alcoholic beverages right now, period. I think that ciders capture hops in a in an absolutely fantastic way. So I say amen to hop ciders and, <laughs> and, you know, and doing some new stuff. So I know uh, when I spoke to you before, you were talking about doing a little bit of experimentation. So would you be willing to share some of that with us? Oh, yeah. We've been, uh, like, our, our, our big project coming down the pipe for this next year is going to be, um, we, we've always had, like, our three core ones, the, the Dry Abbey and the Bourbon, uh, now we're looking at this next year. Uh, we are going to not only be releasing uh, seasonal ciders, so we're going to do three seasonal ciders this coming year. Uh, that's going to start off this winter, 
but we're also going to be packaging those seasonal ciders in 12-ounce cans, and they're going to be in four-packs. Uh, so it's kind of like a real exciting thing for us that we're going to not only be launching some of these like fun new ciders for, for seasonal offerings, but that they're going to you know be in a really easy-to-grab-and-go format for people. Are you guys going to be buying a canning line or taking advantage of some of the mobile canning people that uh, we're, we're actually uh, using a mobile canner? Um, we, we've actually, I mean, we were we've looked at canning ever since we we started. It was kind of always that, like me and Albert, always wanted to to put our cider in like at least some of them in a can, and we were just we we had seen the canning units out in California and. We kept waiting for someone on on the East Coast to to start a mobile canner, and finally, it was this past uh, January, a guy up in the Finger Lakes um, put together a rig and started one. And mm-hmm. like we were probably one of his first couple phone calls. Like I found his website as soon as uh, like when I when I found him in February. I think his website was still half under construction, and we were. We were all about it. We're like, yeah, we're like, we're gonna get the setup, and so we quick made a that first seasonal uh, batch of cider, which is um, like we're gonna do three seasonals this next year. The first one's gonna come out the end of November. It's gonna be our winter time cider. Um, it, it's based on like a British bitter cider uh, aged in oak. It's called. Uh, it's gonna be called Old Elmer. Um, and we're excited to put that one out, but then we also have a uh, one for the summertime that's going to be fermented with a Saison beer yeast. Uh, so that one's going to be, that one we did test batches of and had them in our tap room and was a huge hit, and people people loved that cider. So we're like, that's going to be our perfect, like, kind of along the lines of our dry cider, but it's definitely got, like, a little bit of, like, a lager, like a light beer tone to it. Mm-hmm. Um and so we're real excited to put that one out there. And then next uh, fall, this time of year, we're going to put out one that's going to be called um, Apple Pie Dry. And that was kind of our response to a million people asking us for pumpkin ciders. And we're like, <laughs> me and I were just scratch our heads. And we're like, why, why do you want us to put squash in cider? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and like, like, why am I going to dump pumpkins into my cider? I, I don't... But... I'm like, really, what people want is they want that, like, the cinnamon and nutmeg flavor. So we did some test patches where we took our dry cider and just dumped in a whole bunch of cinnamon sticks and nutmeg. Um, and, our, and the result was a cider that you drink it and, and it tastes like apple pie. So it was kind of a no-brainer, like, hey, we should definitely do this one for for our fall release. How strong can your ciders get legally? Uh, legally, we can go up to seven. Oh, legally, in New York, I can go up to eight point five. Okay. Legally, federally, I can only go up to seven percent. So, the answer is really, I can only go up to seven percent. Right. But hopefully, there's a there's a bill that they're trying to push now to raise it federally up to eight point five. And that was just a recent up upgrade for the, the SLA, right? To eight point five. Yeah, that State was line. that was just with this new with this new license yeah. that that was something that just came down and, and really like progressive on New York's uh, side to like 
raise it to the 8.5 and before it's going to get raised federally. And so now we're hoping that that federal legislation goes through and then if it does, New York will be one of the, the first states to be able to take advantage of that raised um, ABV level. So we're kind of excited that we're that we're in New York and, there, yeah. and yeah, we'll have that opportunity. How long is the usual turnover rate for, for let's say, the Belgian Abbey Cider? Uh, that one, like, each of our ciders is, is completely different. They all take about the same amount of time to ferment. It's the aging time that really sure. varies. And, like, our Abbey Cider, that one, that one's a, a little bit of a game of patience. It, I mean, it's, it's like a good four to five months aging on that cider. Um, before it's, uh, and that's just because like, you're using a Belgian beer yeast, so you get lots of those like crazy phenolics uh, from the Belgian beer yeast, and you're really just like waiting for some of them to to kind of subside and, and let some of that ethanol character die down that you get from a Belgian beer yeast. Um, and as it ages, it kind of mellows a little bit, and then more of those apple tones come out, so it, it kind of it's like a completely different character after after about like four months in bulk aging. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I was saying that we did some short fermentations at the house with some cider or some different yeasts, and yeah. some were horrible after short fermentation. But you know, given a, a month, and it, it totally, totally, totally changed. Yep. For, Turns out you can use Munich yeast for a cider <laughs> if you give it enough to aging time. <laughs> Um, so I want to ask if you're for people home brewers that are looking to make cider at home, what would be kind of your number one tip? Kind of actually specifically home brewers that are interested in making cider. What what would you be your advice to them? Uh, definitely be like that. It, the cider is, I think, my biggest hang up when I started to make it was I was looking at it like beer, and you have to kind of switch gears and start looking at it like you're making wine. Um, so it's, and that later in its in itself, apple juice. Um, so like beer, you're not worried about um, yeast nutrients and, and nitrogen and stuff, where later is extremely, apples are, are very nitrogen deficient. So um, your biggest, pick up with, with home brewers typically uh, that we had trouble with in the beginning was um, adapting to now all of a sudden you have to um, you have to like have yeast nutrients and feed your yeast where with a beer a lot of times you don't have that that issue. You're just like you're not worrying about uh, some of that science behind it. Um, it's just kind of beer has enough nitrogen that you're fine. So that, that's kind of, that would be my number one advice is that you're going to, you're going to have to, to kind of baby the yeast a little bit more to make sure they're happy. Cause, uh, especially with something delicate like cider, if you have an unhappy fermentation, it's, uh, and all downhill from there. It's, it's hard <laughs> to save it. Right. So it's not just about a lag time. It's about un- just health, yeast health. Yeah, definitely. It's like trying to make sure that as they're as they're doing their job, they're going to be as happy as possible and stay true to that yeast that style. Um, because as soon as you get like a, a stress fermentation or something, it's going to completely 
uh, change the character of that cider. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then if people, where where do you distribute your cider now? Where can people find your cider? Uh, it was like we are actually in quite a few of the Whole Foods in the city. We're um, also at like a lot of your uh, supermarkets, like Chico's um, supermarkets in like the Westchester area and stuff. Um, and we are, are, are fairly well distributed, but the company is literally me and uh, Albert at this point. <laughs> so I always I always tell customers I'm like like when they ask me that question I'm like like really the best possible salesman that w- that we can have are when customers if they don't see us at their local liquor store or convenience store or, or wherever they happen to buy their 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 alcohol like ask for us because. Um, we are distributed through Manhattan Beer, uh, through like a big distribution company, um, but we are a small company. So like it's it's for me and Albert to get out there and, and go into every shop is uh, sometimes a little crazy. But our, we love when we get those emails that are from shop owners that are like, we've had multiple customers come in and ask for this. Mm-hmm. How do I get my hands on it? <laughs> and and that those are I love it when they come to us because we are we are two farm boys and the idea of being a salesman is so foreign to us that, <laughs> that we're just horrible at it but that's <laughs> like what also walk, makes we, it great though we walk into a liquor store and we look like complete goofballs. <laughs> yep. so what happens when you guys uh need more apples than the 60 orchard or uh 60 acre farm can give you well we, we kind of our whole like this whole expansion and the building that that we, when we kind of went to the drawing board and designed their building, um, when we did this whole renovation, uh, the building was designed with like a 50,000-gallon cap, uh, and that, that cap was, um, that, that when we hit that point, we've, then, then we're kind of at that decision-making time where we'll have to figure out how we're going to go forward, whether or not we're going to buy more orchards, which will probably be the case because we feel very strongly about the, the we grow our own apples mentality behind the, the business that, you know, it's from apples grown by us and yeah. fresh juice and we don't. And I think uh, it's some, some simple math is uh, like we, every, every, there's 20 bushels of apples in every bin of, of apples and Every bin of apples produces 75 gallons of cider um, at our press. Uh, so we're always looking at, like, how many bins we're putting away in the cooler, kind of. Mm-hmm. We start, we, we stopped looking at them in bins, and now we start looking at them in tanks of cider. <laughs> right. Right, right. Awesome. Well, if you guys out there would like to know about Bad Seed, you can go to their website, badseedhardcider.com. The tap room is in Highland, New York, which is about how far? We haven't been up there yet. We want to go. Oh, you guys definitely have to come up. We're uh, we're like only ninety miles, about an hour and a half outside of uh, Manhattan, so That's not too bad. far. And there's a we have a great table in our cidery that's uh, just like a whole bunch of other um, business cards and rack cards for all the other wineries and stuff. So I, I always tell people like it's a great opportunity to come on up for the come on up and see us when we open at noon and fill out the rest of your day within like 10 or 15 miles of the cidery with everything from distilleries to wineries uh, yeah. to other cideries so it's a it's a great destination 
we'll find a driver for that. (laughs) (laughs) But it's awesome. I I can't wait to get up there. And you guys do tours uh, by appointment only, right? For people that are interested in coming up, they make appointments. Actually, actually, um, actually we kind of were, we're a fairly open door uh, place. It's from noon to eight on Saturday and noon to seven on Sunday. And the only time we'll ask that people call ahead is if you got like a group of eight or more. Um, then, then it's and even then, like if you if you show up with ten people, we're not gonna we're not gonna turn you away. It's it's just we really if you have like a group of eight or more, it, it's it's awesome, and we have noticed so that way right. we can kind of set some time aside for just that group to make sure that they have a good experience. Yep. Well, right on. Devin Britton from Bad Seed, Hard Cider. Thank you so much for, for calling in. Yeah. yeah for making great cider. Me, and for making great cider, from yeah. From New York State <laughs> Apple. Straight. Yeah, I'll have to see you guys up there, hopefully. Absolutely. Yeah. You definitely will. So next week we'll have Charlie Papazian interview. And right. uh, we're headed up to Franklin County Cider Days. Chris and I cannot get enough of hard cider. So we're going to do that <laughs> this weekend. So we'll have some tales from that as well as Charlie Papazian next Monday on Foment About It. it. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.